Hello, I'm your host, Brother Williams, and welcome back to another episode of Enneagram Restored Podcast. For my faithful listeners, thank you once again for listening. For my new listeners, I hope you enjoy this episode. So today is all about Type 5, the investigator. How about we just jump right into it? So let's start off by understanding the wounding message that type fives pick up as children. As kids, fives pick up on this wounding message that sounds like this. It sounds as if you're not capable of handling the demands of life and relationships. And in order to survive, you'll need to emotionally detach and hide. It's often a variation of that message that a type five will pick up. It is again these messages. These messages are called wounding messages for a reason because they aren't good. But this message really plays a just as it does for any other type, but really for type fives, it really plays a part in the formation in the development of type fives as adults. So what does what do adult fives look like? So adult type fives are observers, they're knowledge collectors, they're private, and they aren't really they aren't ruled by emotions. So fives are observers because if they can understand what's happening, then maybe they will feel in the loop or even be prepared should something happen, should something suddenly be expected of them, they could be prepared for that. Fives are also knowledge collectors because they do not want to appear foolish are uninformed humil I can't speak humiliate well not mutilated but <laughs> humiliated you know what just scratch that word out <laughs> they don't want to appear foolish or uninformed for not having the correct answer because apparently I cannot say that word but all boils down to the fact that they want to have the correct answers so that they always appear as informed people and that not having the answer doesn't make them look like a fool. But fives also, not only are they knowledge collectors, not only are they observers, but they often are big users of carp compartmentalization and privacy and they do, they use these two things as a defense mechanism against feeling their emotions so they use them as a, a way to not feel overwhelmed so the thing about fives is that that 
Five's fancy being rational thinkers, uh, which is quite opposite of every other type, because every other type might be known, you could say is known as an irrational thinker, especially the feeling center, the heart center, you know, the two, threes, and fours, that center, those types are really centered, I mean, it's in their triad name, the feeling, they're really centered on their feelings. And so the thing about fives is that they feel, they understand anybody who is guided by emotions as irrational thinkers. And that's just not something a type five person would want to be. They would want to be rational all the time, thinking through the data rather than the emotions and the gut. For fives often ask the question, how can a person waste so much energy on inner turmoil because of that? because of the fact that they want to be rational thinkers instead of irrational and that they don't want to deal with emotions. They don't want to uh, really just take a hold of what their feelings are. And which me, and at the, by the end of this episode, I tell you more about this, but I really think there's, a shift that needs to happen in that thinking. And I'll tell you more about that shift later on uh, in this episode. But for now, let, let's move on to talking about fives and stress. So in stress, type fives become like the unhealthy sevens. In stress, fives are hyperactive. They're very scattered. Uh, and in this moment of period, of time where they're stressed and really on this unhealthy side of sevens, a type five person will just cling tightly to things that seem to make their world a little smaller and smaller. Whether that's, you know, all right, my, uh, a type fives alone time, they will really cling to that and make more use of alone time or whether that's, you know, going on a hike, they will really cling to that. Or maybe it's shopping. Maybe it's reading a book. Whatever it is that a type five will do or think or say in order to make their world feel smaller, in stress, they will cling to that ever so more tightly. It'll make more sense why they cling rather than let go. When I, I tell you about their deadly sin here in a moment. But in addition, in addition to that, during periods of stress, during times of disintegration, a five's attention turns from others to their own need for safety and independence. But on the opposite side of that, on the opposite side of being clingy on the opposite side of just paying attention to their own safety and independence. When they are in periods of growth, fives become like healthy eights. They just draw their energy from 
the healthy side of a Taipei when uh, they are feeling secure. In, 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 in moments of growth, eights, be, not eights, fives become spontaneous. They become outspoken and just physically present. So that's what each type of five should strive for. That moment of really just allowing yourself to feel. Allowing yourself to, as a type five, it, to allow yourself to grow and to say, all right, here I am in this moment experiencing this. Here I am in this moment that I wasn't expecting, but I love it. It wasn't on my schedule, but here I am. It's a spontaneous moment, but I love it. Here I am in a crowd of people who are debating uh, this idea, but I think they're all wrong. And there's a different viewpoint that needs to be said that nobody has brought up, but should I do it? But in growth of a five who says, yes, I'm going to do it. I'm going to speak on this, you know, unspoken viewpoint of this topic. When a five becomes spontaneous, outspoken, and just really allows himself to be in the moment, that's a great tool, not only for a type five person, but allowing yourself to be spontaneous and physically present for any type of the Enneagram. That's a head up in the game. So let's talk about what, just briefly here, uh, what each level of health looks like for type fives. So at level one, the, their best level of health, fives are visionaries. They can see large and complex problems with clarity and precision. And with much dedication and curiosity, they can catalyze and advance social movements. An average five, though, becomes withdrawn and emotionally detached. Average fives will work things out in their mind before they actually act them out. Average fives will prepare an entire conversation in their mind before they actually have the conversation. An average five will work through how to, this is a silly example, but it, just to kind of put it into more perspective, an average five will work through how to put a desk to, together before they actually do it, even though, you know, if you go to Walmart and you buy a desk, it comes with instructions. They will just work it out visually in their mind before they actually attempt to put that desk together. Again, like I said, that's a very silly example, but it really just puts it into perspective. It gets even worse. I mean, I guess you expect that as you go from average to unhealthy, but it gets even worse for an unhealthy five because unhealthy fives be cut off their social world completely. It 
they may, an unhealthy five may even develop tunnel vision. At, at the worst level of health, it, fives are highly unstable and just really fear aggression. What, and no, doesn't matter what form of aggression, they fear it. So, again, I always advocate, I always um, just really champion the idea of finding what works for you. I, I could do this podcast all day long with tens and thousands of different tips, practical as well as just mental tips. But it really takes you, if you're a type five person, saying, all right, here's some new information I didn't know about myself. Let me find something that works for me individually that will help me grow to a healthy side of me. Because it doesn't matter what I say. It doesn't matter what any other self-help, self-improvement, Enneagram podcast says all good things being said, all great tips being given, but not all the tips you hear here on a podcast, whether it's my podcast or another podcast, not all those tips will work for you. Or maybe you have to take a combination of what you hear on podcasts and what you develop on your own time and really combine those that make you grow even more. So I, I don't know where this thought just came from. It's not even in my notes, but just really want to advocate that no matter how many podcasts you listen to, just don't take the tips set there and use those. Find what works for you. And I say that because I know it all too well. I've done band pretty much my entire um, life. I started out in sixth grade um, up until uh, just this past year of college, which was my junior year of college. Um, I finally called a quit zone uh, school band uh, after so many years. But in the realm of this, countless band directors, countless um, guest directors are, you know, just, we, we kind of, in my high school, our band director are always bringing, like, um, people and we'll have, like, a master class type of setting. And... But no matter who it was, they all had tips on how to become a better player or for the years of I was in choir, how to become a better singer. They all had tips. Great tips, and the, they all work very well. But not every tip that they said worked verbatim for me or any other person. We Each individual had to adapt that tip to our personality, a practice routine tip, 
about, you know, going home after school and practicing for an hour straight might work for somebody else. But I know for me, that never worked. It was more like, all right, practice five minutes here, do 20,000 other things, and then practice another time here, and then possibly practice for a full hour, maybe. Most of the time for me, it was just 30 minutes at most. Um, might explain why I'm not that great of a musician, but uh, <laughs> I got this far by faking it. I see. Uh, but yeah, it's just that idea that tips are all well and done, but you have to adapt them to who you are because, like I said, they're all great, but they're not all going to work verbatim. And I don't know where that little nugget of <laughs> of information just came from. Like I said, it's not in my notes, but take it, null on it, uh, but let's move on. <laughs> And get back to talking about type fives, okay? Let's talk about deadly sins. So specifically, the deadly sin of type fives, which is avarice. So, if you're like me, you probably don't know what avarice is. And just to give you a clear view of what the word I'm talking about is, spelled A-V-A-R-I-C-E. Avarice, never heard it in the 21, almost 22 years that I've been alive. Um, so, yeah, I had to Google what this word meant when I uh, found out about it. Uh, kind of feel ashamed that I did not know what it is because it's a very simple definition. Uh, and essentially what it means is greed. That's essentially what avarice is. It's greed. Uh, and that's the deadly sin of type fives, is greed. But, I, you know, I like, I like, it's, it's a weird like, but I like using butt sentences. Sounds like I'm talking about somebody's booty, but no, but, B-U-T as in this, maybe this, but not this type of, yeah. Anyway. Um, when it comes to the deadly sin of avarice or the deadly sin of greed for type fives, it's not greed in the manner that we would typically think of greed. You know, typically we think of, you know, somebody who is greedy, um, um, it's just kind of, you know, trying to acquire more and more of things, more cars, more money, more houses, more fame, um, more clothes, uh, more shoes. Gosh, that's those two big ones for me right there, clothes and shoes. Gosh, see my closet. I can barely fit any more clothes in there. <laughs> but I digress. Uh But for fives, it's not really about acquiring more. Rather, it's about maintaining what they have. For fives, their greed is rooted in not losing 
the wealth and resources that they already have. You're doing whatever it takes to keep those wealth and resources. So I can tell you this, uh, if you ask a type five to donate to a charity, um, they will probably be the first one to say no, with no hesitation, um, just because that's a resource that, you know, they don't want to lose as well that they don't want to lose. Um, so yeah, it's kind of crazy though. But that's, that's just kind of how the deadly sin for type fives work again. It's technically, the deadly sin is technically called avarice, but it's more of greed. Um, but even so still, it's not the typical greed. It's the greed of maintaining what they have. So, yeah, the deadly sin of fives is very complicated to kind of understand. <laughs> just so many. It's this, but not... It's a lot of butt sentences when it comes to talking about the deadly sin of type fives, but essentially know this for fives is greed and greed of maintaining the current wealth and resources. That's the deadly sin of a type five. Fear, though, you know, F-E-A-R, fear. Um, we all experience it, some more than others. I experience it rarely in my life. Okay, I'm just not a scary person. I don't get scared easily, all right? Don't judge me. Um, I like to make the joke that I'm straight from hell. I am the devil, so I don't get scared. But uh, forgive me, Jesus. <laughs> but uh, it's just a joke. Don't don't cancel culture me. Okay, okay, I got to stop. I'm a Democrat. <laughs> okay, I believe. Okay, any anyway, I don't know where I'm going with this. My jokes are getting out of hand right now. But let's get back on topic here. Um, fear. Fear is the overwhelming emotion that affects that affects how each type of the head center reacts when they start to disconnect from their true self. So each type of the head center, of course, fear is an uh, emotion that any type of the Enneagram can experience. But for um, five, six, and sevens, the head center types, it is that one emotion that really just, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Of course, you don't know because you don't know my notes. But uh, fear is that one emotion that really controls them as they start to disconnect from who they are truly, who their true identity is. And when they start to go from healthy to average to unhealthy, um, that emotion that really just controls their responses and how they react to things is fear. So each type, again, of the head center reacts differently. Um, for type fives, though, they choose to cope with fear by becoming isolated and secretive about um, themselves retreating to their room with the door shut um, not telling you their plans for um, the afternoon when you accidentally have any dinner plans um, then you you know they just 
become very disconnected. Again, that plays back to that childhood message. If you want to survive, you got to emotionally detach. So you can kind of see how that wounding message that they pick up on as kids really just kind of plays into every aspect of life for a type five. And it does for not only for type fives, but that, that wounding message really plays a, a crucial part in forming all aspects of life for every type of the Enneagram. But it's very clear to see how it plays out for fives, especially. Do you like buying merch and supporting your favorite brands? Well, now you can support any Grammar Start podcast by showing off our merch. We have socks, blankets, shirts, tote bags, mugs, and more stuff to come in the coming months. Just head over to merch.braylonwilliams.me to shop the collection of Enneagram Restored Podcast merch. About to wrap up this episode, but you know, I always like to try to give um, kind of like a teaching moment before I end the episode, especially an episode when it's solely on one type. Um, so I want to take out time to do that right now, of course, keep the continuity strong. Uh, so while there are many practical and typically practical ways, you know. Are typically what I like to do in these teaching lessons, but um, today not as much. So there are many practical ways a type five person can really take a hold and gain control again over their greed and, and to take control over their need to make the world seem smaller. But I believe that it would be more effective to start with some affirmations rather than just jumping into the practicality of things. And so I'm not even going to offer any practical tips today in this episode, maybe another episode uh, in the future. But today for type fives, I'm, I'm not going to offer any practical tips, but rather I, I want to give some two af verbal affirmations that I believe will be um, effective ways of really just push starting growth and push starting um, how you, fives taking control over their deadly sin of greed and taking back how not and showing themselves that okay maybe I don't need to make my world seem smaller um, and so the first affirmation is this you can say it with me now I'll say it a few times um, so you can get the hang of it. But the first affirmation is that I affirm that I am able to handle life situations with the help of my emotions. So I want you to say it with me right now, if you're a type five, especially, but if you're not, feel free to say it along with me. I affirm that I am able to handle life situations with the help 
of my emotions. I affirm that I am able to handle life situations with the help of my emotions. That's the first affirmation. The second affirmation that I think that will be crucial to you uh, as a five who's trying to take control of the, this greed and to you know, say, all right, maybe my world doesn't need to feel small, is this. I affirm that giving allows me to receive even more than I currently have. All right, so I'm going to repeat it. You can say it with me if you're a five. If you're not, just you don't have to, but I encourage you to. All right, so I affirm that giving allows me to receive even more than I currently have. I affirm that giving allows me to receive even more than I currently have. Again, I believe that there are great practical ways that a type five person can really set in motion to grow. Um, and there's even more affirmations uh, for time reasons. I, I just did not uh, do all the ones that I want to do. But write these down in a journal, put them in your phone, make them in your wallpaper. Um, something I do is I, I write affirmation, affirmative sticky notes and I, I stick them on the door uh, by a place or a place where I look the most often. And, you know, they're there. So I never miss them. For me here in my dorm room, um, make affirmative sticky notes with, you know, positive sayings. Uh, I stick them on the bathroom door because, you know, I got to go to the bathroom. So I always going to see them when I open the bathroom door. Uh, maybe that's what you got to put it to. Right? Maybe it's, it, it's the refrigerator. I've done that too. Uh, so wherever, put a, put a positive affirmative sticky note wherever would be the best place for you so you can always see it because that truly will help you but if you're a type five i really want you to remember these affirmations so i'm gonna say say once again the first affirmation is i affirm that i am able to handle life situations with the help of my emotions the second affirmate affirmation is this I affirm that giving allows me to receive even more than I currently have. Well, that's pretty much everything I have for this week's episode of Enneagram Star Podcast. Uh, Again, thank you for listening. But before we go, I do want to mention it seems, oh gosh, unrealistic. I just can't talk at all, can I? It seems very unrealistic that there are just three more episodes of season one. Wow. Uh, three? 
out of what will be a total of 15 episodes left? Where has time gone? I mean, March 25th, the day that I released the first episode of Enneagram Start Podcast, was like just yesterday. Not only that, a week from today is the first day of July 2021. Where has time gone? If you find out the answer, let me know because it's going by too doggone fast, in my opinion. Just just a little bit. Uh, but can we slow time down just a little bit? Maybe, maybe. Okay, just me. I just I just feel that way. Never mind. All right. But anyway, like I said, got three more episodes left. Close out season one uh, with the recap episode of everything um, from this past season. Uh, pretty much giving like a one second rundown of each type again just so it's fresh on memory I also had some clips of previous episodes played and things, some of the funny moments uh, but well, I'll tell you if we about successes as well as failures in season one and a little bit about season two um, so you don't want to miss that episode but before we get to the recap episode um gotta listen to the next two because we'll talk about the last two types that we need to talk about which is type six and seven before we hit the recap episode and end season one uh, it's just i'm just awestruck about how fast time has gone and it like, feels like yesterday i just started prepping for the first episode but maybe that's just me but anyway i also want to encourage you not to miss next week's show like i said we'll be talking about type six one of the last type before we end season one um, and so as always remember that the enneagram doesn't define you but it does bring restoration it helps reshape your thinking and habits 